Well, hello everybody. It's good to see you all. You all well? You all have a nice uh, Hanukkah and Christmas and all that? Hope you did. Um, so if you would like to open your Bible and we're going to look at Book of Romans, chapter 1. The Book of Romans is really Paul's Gospel um, in a nutshell. Um, and everything you could ever ask for from Paul is really primarily you'll find in Romans and then the rest of it is kind of scattered throughout the rest of his letters but Romans is fundamentally his doctrine on the gospel and uh, I want to start with chapter 1 verse 28 I'm going to be reading from the ESV version and uh, and this might you might think this is a rather negative sounding scripture to start off the new year what's this about but just just bear with me for a minute okay and it, it says and, and since they, this is it's talking about unbelievers here, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, underline that word, acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So several things there that I want to kind of pick out today. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. What is a debased mind? It is a carnal mind. Now, a carnal mind, Christ, you see, this is why I stopped on this. I was meditating in the Spirit saying, you need to stop here. It's so easy for us to read the Bible isn't it, and go, well, that's, that, that's them, that's the other guy. But actually, often you should ask yourself the question, is there anything I'm guilty of here? The first thing, I, you know, was, do you acknowledge God in all your ways, as it says in Proverbs 3? I was like, well, probably not. And the inference here is that if you don't always acknowledge God, that you move over into a carnal mindset. What does that look like? Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. What is a carnal mindset? And we look at verses 6 to 8. And it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh, flesh cannot please God. So this is the kind of the scripture I was thinking to, you know, I was meditating. I was like, God, where, where are we going with this? It's like, this seems all a little bit negative. It's not negative. It's actually positive. But one of the things that we need to be mindful of is that we've now hit the year 2023 and we now have to ask ourselves some fundamentally important questions. Now, you're probably going to see, you know, you've probably seen it already, like the best is yet to come, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Now, anyone who, who really wants to sit down and think about it for a few, minute, for a few minutes would think, oh, oh, actually, you know, society has got some problems and that shift, single shift of the hour clock going from 12 to, to 1 doesn't change anything in respect to all the problems that are going on in the world right now. Let me give you a little a little flavour, peppering of what's going on in the world. So, for example, you know, God's always spoken to me about the financial situation of things. I don't know why he chose me to do that, but that's just, just a thing that he gave me to do. So, for example, I don't know if you know this, but in America, you have three major indices. You have the um, Dow Jones, you have the S&P, and you have the NASDAQ, okay? 
So the Dow, the Dow Jones, which is kind of like a light version of the American economy, is down 10% this year, so it's not bad. The S&P is down 20%, okay? The NASDAQ is down 30%. Now, they're saying this is the worst stock market since 2008. Now, I don't know if you remember what happened in 2008. We had another, we had a mini crash in 2007, which led to a kind of a recession in 2008. It was bad. In fact, it was so bad that, I mean, I remember working at one of the private schools that I was at and teachers had to be laid off work because this is a private school and private, you know, it needs to be private tuition, etc. And then and a lot of rich people who were into new rich money uh, had lost a lot of money because of the stock market and various other things. And the teachers were literally running down the corridors wailing and howling because they'd lost their job. And what, what oh gosh, what was going to happen? I remember as a peripatetic teacher in, a, in private schools, <coughs> I remember sitting in a room one day and, and, and most of these teachers, they, they looked at me and said, gosh, you, you must be really struggling right now. And I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, you know, every one of us, we've lost loads and loads of students because of what's going on and stuff. And I was like, I've actually had more students than ever. That doesn't make any sense. And, that, and on, my, on my, my tax that year, you know, my accounts, that was the best year I'd ever had. When everybody else was losing money hand over the fist, for me it was the most prosperous year I'd ever had. And I was reminded of that psalm that says, in a time of famine, you shall not be ashamed. And so this is what I'm trying to get back to now with this, these mindsets. You see, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. Let's go to it so we can have a closer look at it. Um, so that's Proverbs, let's just find it for you, Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 to 6. So it says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All, All of your heart, okay? There's this... It's amazing as Christians that we have little bits of our heart that's like, this far and no further, God. Right? You can have all of that, but you can't have that bit. That's my bit. All right? It says you've got to trust in the Lord with all of your hearts. Okay? With, and, and the word there for heart, I believe, is cardia. So it's all of your being. Your mind, your spirit, your soul, your flesh, your time, your money. Every part of your existence is to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. And this is the primary difference between carnal mindedness and spiritual mindedness. Because you can be a Holy Ghost tongue speaking Christian and be just as uh, carnal minded as the next guy. Because walking in the spirit is about following God with your heart and walking in the things of God with your heart. Whereas the carnal mind and doing things in your according to your own intentions and to your own understanding is actually of the flesh. And that which is of the flesh produces death. That which is of the spirit gives us life and peace. In all your ways acknowledge him. So the unbeliever does not acknowledge God in any of their ways and God gives them over to a debased mind. So as Christians, we need to be making sure that we acknowledge God in all of our ways. 
How do you do that? Because if I don't do that, I start to give myself over to a debased mindset. I can so easily, quickly as a Christian, move over into the carnality, even carnal Christianity. So I've always got to keep a check on me. So how do you keep flowing in the things of the Spirit? Now the problem is with charismatics, is they think that flowing things in the Spirit is all about the random, it's on the spur of the moment, you don't plan it, there's no discipline, but actually things of the Spirit are quite the opposite. Things of the Spirit require discipline, require intentionality. If you want to have an encounter with God, it doesn't happen by spooky random chance. It happens with intentionality. If you want to meet God up the mountain, well, guess what you're going to have to do? Put on those hiking boots and get up that mountain. Because if you don't go up that mountain, well, you ain't going to meet him. So this is, I'm going to give you an example of what I do to help me stay in the flow of the Spirit. Now, some of you can go, what? And I'll explain why. So because, you see, walking in the Spirit requires a lot of discipline actually, and a lot of intentionality. So one of the things that I do to stop defaulting back to a carnal mindset is that I need to keep my mind focused on the things of God and keep it focused on the things of Scripture and on the things of the Spirit. But when you're in the world that we're in today, now a long time ago, I'm pretty much sure that it was easier to live the Christian life than it is today. Because all of the time, you can't even drive down the road in a car without seeing some billboard or something, you know, you've always got something vying for your attention to, 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 to basically distract you. So I, I do weird things like, so I, I pray the hours at 9, 12, 3 and 6 because it keeps my focus and attention on God, so which is why I use this for. And some of you go, where's that in the Bible? I don't... Well, let's look. In the Old Testament, in the offerings, the offerings were offered in the morning at 9, then 12, then 3, and then you have things that happened at 6. The Jewish tradition was, when the temple was destroyed, they would then also pray at, at 9, 12, 3, 6, and so on. Jesus went up, was offered over to be crucified at 9, went to the cross at 12, was crucified at 3. Okay, And so then the early church carried on that tradition of praying at those times because it linked into the ancient sacrificial system, etc., etc. And so people have been doing it for a very, very long time. So it's a completely biblical practice. So what I do at, at 9, 12, 3 and 6, and some traditions do it seven times a day because in the Psalms, David says, I praise you seven times a day. In other words, even King David was intentional in his encountering with God. So I do things like that. And that, that just helps me to, and it, it, it's almost, it almost hurts to do it because oh, oh, I've got to do it now. It's so inconvenient to do it now. But then I put my mind to it and I go, no, I'm going to do it. And I start doing it and my mind comes back to scripture. My mind comes back to the voice of God. My mind comes back to flowing in the things of the spirit again. And my attention is put right. And so that's what, one of the things that I do to help me walk in the Spirit. But let's have a look at some other stuff about walking in the Spirit. You see, because there are fruits of the Spirit, but there are also fruits of the flesh. Now, in case you're wondering, what is this message for? What is it about? Because 2023 
It's going to be a rollover year. My wife was praying. Every year, God tells us something that's good, the, the, the significant word for each year. And, the, and for this year, God told her, it's a rollover. And unfortunately, it's got nothing to do with the national lottery, but it's got everything to do with the problems from last year rolling over into this year. Now, when it's a rollover, we all know that in the lottery, it's like, well, that last week it was a, a, a lottery of 10, 10 million pounds. And if it rolls over, that means it's now going to be 20 million pounds. So if it's a rollover of the problems of, the, of, of what happened last year, guess what? It's going to get worse, right? But God doesn't want his people to be blindsided by the issues that go on in the world. God wants his people. You see, what I learned in 2008 was that God can make you spiritually strong and prosperous in a time of famine. So you don't have to be dictated to by the conditions and the spiritual environment of the world. You can walk in your own timetable. You can walk in your own spiritual dynamic, which comes directly from the kingdom of God and has got nothing to do with the kingdom of man. And so that's what I'm trying to teach us is to learn to walk in the things of the spirit. So if you turn with me to Galatians 5 and we look at verses 16 to 25. Because I believe we, we need a little bit of an MOT, where the engine, just like we check it out, see what's going on. I'm not, not MOT, we need a service. So every good time, every now and then it's good to have a little service. Oh, my engine needs a little bit of a tune. It's running a bit lean or a bit too, bit too much on the fuel. We just need to get it tuned up. We need to get the old uh, spark plugs changed and stuff like that. Because as Christians, we can all get a little bit out of whack. Anyone get out of whack? Yeah, yeah? we all get out of whack. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah, you get out of whack, but hallelujah, God's got the answer. And so I'm just trying to give us some principles for this year to try and, and kind of set a, a precedent for the rest of this year. So from verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Anyone ever felt that warfare going on inside of them? Yeah? Okay. Well, here it is. You know, you get some Christians that are like, no, oh, no, you shouldn't have that warfare. I mean, Paul says it. And he also says in Romans 7, I know in my mind that good which I ought to do, yet some reason I can't seem to always do what I want to do. Because he's got this war going on inside him. The literal uh, Greek here doesn't say desires. It says lust. It says, for the lust of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Okay, the flesh and the spirit are so opposed to each other that it is not funny. And yet we try to hybridize the flesh and the spirit together. But it doesn't work. Verse, uh, let's get my little uh, glasses on here. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the Torah. Now, the works of the flesh, this is what I want to point out here. The works of the flesh are evidence. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the fruits of the flesh. Anyone witness the fruits of the flesh in their own lives? And everyone's like, oh, I'm not saying. Okay, some confident liars out there, amen. But the things that I want to focus on just for a minute is some, now, a lot of these issues here the, the, of the flesh are things that we all personally deal with in various ways. But some of these things can affect us as a church and a community. So things like impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. But it's these three I want to focus on a minute. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Psalm 133, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. For there I command the blessing life forevermore. Amen. One of the strengths of this church, my wife has worked really hard on this, is that we don't have cliques. Is that we are a family. And what's interesting about this family is we're all made up of different kinds of people. So in Living Word in general, we have people that were brought up Catholic. You're laughing at it. We have people that were brought up Catholic. <laughs> we have people who, like myself, uh, are Anglican. Uh, <laughs> that explains everything. Um, we've got Pentecostal people. We've got um, 70s charismatic renewal people. We've got Hebrew roots. We've got them all. Okay. In fact, it's really unusual to have that many different variations of Christians all in the same room. But yet, I think it's very special and it's very powerful and it's very important because I believe prophetically it's a sign of God's heart for his church. Jesus prayed in John 17 that he said, Lord, Father, I pray that the church will be one even as we are one. And the church is anything but one right now. It's so fragmented and so broken. But God, it reminds me of this dream I had. Now, you might think, well, what's that got to do with this? But, but, but we'll put it in context. Many, sorry if I'm keeping you awake. Right? So uh, many, many years, <laughs> I, got, I got to have some grace. People didn't go to bed till late last night. I just must, must remember that. Have some grace, Chris. Have some grace. And in this dream, I, I, was, I was next to my ex-Jewish wife. Now, I've never had a Jewish wife, in case anyone was wondering or watching on the podcast. I'm still married to my first wife. And um, yeah, so, and in the dream, I was, I was next, sat next to my divorced Jewish wife. Now, she was fully Jewish, not Messianic, but just Jewish. And I was fully Christian. So there's me with all my Christmas, oh, not Christmas stuff, my Christian stuff. And there's her with all her Jewish stuff. And, and in the dream, God, uh, she, we were on live TV together. And she turned around and said to me, Chris, will you just tell them? And... And I was wearing dark glasses because I was like really not happy with her and all this kind of stuff because we divorced. And, but I had to speak something about Israel, but I wouldn't do it because I was annoyed at her. And then I woke up and thought, what on earth is that? But I knew it was from God. And the Holy Spirit said it to me so powerfully. He said, my church is divorced from Israel and I hate divorce. But the context of the dream was she was fully Jewish and I was fully Christian, how on earth could those two almost diametrically oppose? Because I've got friends that are Jewish 
and Judaism is very different from Christianity. I mean, it really is. And, and, you know, we might have a lot of things we can agree on, but there's a lot we don't agree on. And that's just a fact. But in this dream, God was showing me that you two need to just get along. And you need to work it out and you need to love each other. And this comes to this. The same applies to us as Christians. But I don't like Anglicans. <laughs> They're weird. Well, I don't care. Get over it. The Bible says in Galatians, bear with one another in love. Bear with one another. In other words, in modern day parlance, put up with stuff. Put up with stuff. I often think about Moses, you know, he was holding out his arms aloft uh, and everyone was battling down on the ground. And it's it's a lovely picture of prayer and action go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. And, And so... Aaron, as it Moses, is holding out his arms, but he's got Aaron and some other people underneath his armpits, right, in the heat of the day. They didn't have deodorant in those days, holding him up. That's a good example of bearing up with one another, putting up with the stench of the human. No, putting up with the stench, because we are all, if we're honest with ourselves, if we took a good look at ourselves in the mirror sometimes, we are a piece of work. All right, amen? All right, so, so people out there go, am I? Okay, well, you know, we all have bad days, right? I'm not, I'm not saying it. But what I'm saying is, is that we must have grace and kindness and love towards one another. Because look, the, that we've just read what the fruits of the flesh are, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. Excuse me. And God doesn't want his church to be divided. And as I said, what I love about this church is we're all so different, but we all learn to get on. And you've got to ask yourself, what is more important, that I'm correct or that the body is in unity? Because sometimes we forget that. You know, I often hear in this church... People like groaning, complaining about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And then that person apologises to them. And then they get their whatever, because it's like, well, I, I, well you've apologised. They don't like that they've been apologised to, because that means now they have to respond back in like kindness. But they don't want to, because they want to hold on to the grudge. We can't be like that. You know, some days I don't feel like a pastor. I feel like the dinner lady in the playground stopping five-year-olds from having an argument and a fight with each other. Oi, pack that up over there. I need like a little whistle. Stop it. Anglicans and Catholics, lay off. (laughs) Please. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, (laughs) self-control. Against such things there is no Torah. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. This is what I want for us going forward into this year is that I want us to be a church that's in unity, that's in harmony. Now, let me tell you something about unity. That doesn't mean you're all going to agree with everybody. Actually, it doesn't. I mean, married couples, 
How many, you know, you've, you've marched the life together, but how many times have you been in bitter disagreement on certain things? And that was the purpose of that dream that God showed me between the church and Israel. Bitterly opposed to each other in certain things. But God is like, you guys, you just need to make this work. You have got to make this work. I don't care how I don't want to know about how high. I don't care what she thinks and what he just make it work. Because the unity of Christ is more important than anything else. Let me take, for example, this over here. All right. Because we do have people who are Catholic, Anglican and Methodists and etc. etc. in this congregation. Do you know there's five different ways of theology of interpreting what's going on here? From this is the this is literally the blood and the flesh of Christ right through to it's in remembrance only. But do you think we're all going to have a big fight about it? Because that, that denies what the communion is. The communion is about the unison and the unity of God's church. Now, does this mean we fudge doctrine? Absolutely not. But what we can say for certainty is that the very core thing of our church is the gospel. And, and Tracy and I, from early on when we planted a church, we always said that the mantra for our church is the main thing must be the main thing, Amen. which is about Jesus and his gospel. And so we came up with this thing, which was, the Apostles' Creed, which is a standard creed that the church has agreed on for thousands of years, is the very essence of Christianity. Now, there you might have lots of other stuff that you've built around the Apostles' Creed, which is fine. But if we can at least agree on those fundamentals of the virgin birth and the death and resurrection of Christ and all that kind of stuff, then everything else is superfluous, actually. Because I don't want to major on minors and I want people to treat people with respect and to be loving and to be kind and to bear up with one another. Amen? Amen. Because I think it breaks God's heart that there's so much division in his church today. And God wants his people to be one. And I believe this is, you see, where we go, you know, if things are going to get harder and harder, what we can't be doing is fragmenting. We can't be like pieces of glass that are just shattering into more little pieces. Well, we have to be a people that go forward together. You can't do this by yourselves. We, you know, there's power in the community. And in community, they're just going to be people you're not going to get on with, right? But I, this is what I love about community. Zach, for example, right? He's my son. So this is an example. This is not real, okay? But say, for example, I don't like sister so-and-so over there. I'm not pointing at anyone, I'm pointing at the floor. Okay. So I don't like sister so-and-so. Yeah. But Zach gets on with sister so-and-so perfectly well. Yes. And so there's this kind of thing where through him that, you know, that it enables us all to get along. I find that some people just diametrically can't get on with some people because they're so opposed to them. And this is fine. But you'll always then have friends of those friends who get on fine with both, both parties. In other words, we can make this work. And it's really important that we have unison and unity going forward. Now, I'm not talking about ecumenicalism or, or some false unity where we just fudge stuff. But I am talking about a unity in God. And I want to end with this example. This is a true story. So in Turkey, this guy, he went into a church. And in this church were Lutherans. Okay, they're the first Protestants. They were the first people to break away from the Catholic Church. 
You had Catholics. You had Anglicans. You had crazy charismatics. And they're all in the same room worshipping God. And this guy was like, I, I've, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Because if, if you know anything about anything, for example, Catholics and Lutherans, they're, they're both like the Antichrist to each other. There's no way that they will get on with each other. You know, Catholics like, Luther, he married a nun. What a terrible thing to do. You know, even I struggle with that. It's like, ooh, well, anyway, that's, that's not neither here nor there. But they just don't get on. There's no way they will get on. They hate each other with an absolute vitriolic hatred. They don't get on with each other at all. And then you got Anglicans and all these other people. And it was like, how is this even possible that you're all getting on and worshipping God? And they said, simple. Because we've got an enemy that's trying to persecute us and kill us. And suddenly, all of those things that divide us mean nothing when you've all got the same enemy, but you've all got the same God that you love. And he said, we put aside our petty doctrinal differences and we got along with each other and learned to work it out. Hallelujah. And this is God's heart for his church. Now, I get a lot of flack for this sort of stuff. I say this thing and on the internet, I get people saying, hey, you're a false prophet. You should be stoned. You should be burned. Um, you are the spirit of Antichrist because you're trying to create one world government and one world religion. I'm not trying to create one world religion. I just want Christians to get on. Is that really so hard? <laughs> Evidently it is. <laughs> All things are possible. That's right. I like your, like your faith. And that's just really what I, I, I want to say to us today is that let's not get bogged down and walk in the things of the flesh and of the intellect, but let's walk in the things of the spirit and remember what the fruits of the flesh are. We don't want those fruits to be evident in the church. We want the fruits of the spirit to be evident in us because if, things, if it is a rollover year and things are just going to get worse, even though God's going to do remarkable things, I believe, in time, but even though things are going to get worse for the world, if we are really walking in the things of God, loving God and loving each other and walking together in love, which can be tough sometimes. And I really believe we're going to get through this storm and it will be the love that you have for one another that the world will know you are my disciples. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.